here. I didn't do no. I didn't do outlines because this the, the teaching I'm doing right now. The way I'm teaching this, it's really hard to outline a lot of this. But if you were going to put a heading here, it would be national and international hostility. That's what we're looking at. So going back to chapter, we're in chapter 11. And looking at verse 18, it says, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, remember last week we were talking about, again, these are, these are views. We're here in chapter 11. We've got a lot of these chapters that as you're reading them, you're not just, you don't read this book, and it just doesn't lay out everything chronologically chronologically is moving in order. You know, we had the, we were looking at the, the two witnesses and, and the, 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 it's kind of a, it, it, we've seen this several times, it's kind of a parenthetical teaching where, all right, we're, we're going along and then boom, here's some more information. And it was all of that, everything that goes along with those two witnesses, you really have the whole scope of their ministry, three and a half years of that, that we see there. And so this kind of continues because we're getting a view, John is getting a view, and now he's writing and giving us a view that, that we're going to get over to chapter 12, and we're actually going to look back. We're going to look back in history, and then we're going to look ahead in history, and uh, it's pretty interesting. But right here we see national and international hostility. And, and what he's, he's seeing is these things to come. So the nations, the Gentiles, they were angry. There was, there was this, the nations were angry. And you can go back and read Psalm chapter 2. You can read Psalm chapter 83. You can read Joel chapter 3, verses three, uh, 9 through 13. All of that will kind of, you kind of see the same picture of this. And this means when you talk about the nations, the Gentiles, it means that the nations will show their hatred for Christ and his people and that persecution will increase. And so we, we've come to this time, we're kind of in the, in the middle here of the, of the tribulation period, and we're going to move into the great tribulation, and, and, and things are going to accelerate, things are getting, going to get far worse. We just think they were bad. You know, have you ever, have you thought in this lifetime, you know, you go, well, you, you know, things have been bad before. And, and we keep moving to a point where it seems like almost every day I'm amazed at what's going on in our country and around the world. And how did we get here so quickly? It just seems like it's just snowballing. And you, you think, you know, I almost have the picture of you tried to, it's moving so fast, you grab the rope and try to stop it. It just burns your hands. You, you can't even make a, it's just snowballing out of control. We think things are moving fast now. When we get into the tribulation, that seven-year period, things are going to just, it's going to be at light speed, everything that's, that's going on. And, of course, Satan is on the scene, and he's making special effort to destroy the Jews. Revelation 12, 12, that we'll get, to in, uh, we'll get into part of that tonight, says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you, uh, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. He knows his future. He knows what's, what's going on. He knows enough. And, and there's a time, I don't want to get ahead of myself of what's in chapter 12, but he's going to come with great wrath. And, it, and it, is, it, is going to be, it is going to be unleashed on mankind. But he's really, his primary focus that we're going to see even later tonight is, is the Jews. He wants to wipe out the Jews. He wants to take them out. So he has sought to destroy God's people ever since Cain killed Abel. He has been against God's people and it started, you know, sin. Folks, we don't need a whole lot of, um, 
how would I say this? Uh, Cain, Cain had a sinful heart, right? Cain and Abel both. both. Both were born into sin. Both needed to be born again, be regenerated. Cain's heart was wicked. All it takes with that is maybe a little push, a little whisper in the ear, any of that. And, and Satan, that, 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 you know, we, we, when we become a child of God, those things change, right? So when we go back and look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Now we can go and teach the whole story of Cain and Abel. But Cain was wicked. Cain wanted to do it. You know, it's where we get the phrase we read in the New Testament, the way of Cain. It's, a, it's false religion. And every false religion since then has been the way of Cain. They want to approach God the way they want to approach God. Folks, we don't get to approach God the way we want to approach God. We approach God the way God says approach God. And, you know, does that matter? We, we, Monday, Monday, we were doing Monday Bible Club with the kids. And we're looking at the story of Moses where he's out there and he was a disobedient to God. God told him to go out and speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He goes out there and I just think Moses was mad. I think he was mad that people have been chewing on him, have been complaining and griping. He's fed up with them. God says, go out there and speak to the rock. What does Moses do? He goes out there and says, hey, why do we have to, do we have to speak to this rock and give water to you? Yeah. Well, we, does God have a mouse in his pocket? Because Moses ain't got nothing to do with it. Moses, all Moses is, is out there to do is do what God said do. God's going to do the miracle. He's going to bring the water from the rock. And then what does Moses do? He doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes it twice. Now, did that matter to God? It mattered, didn't it? Made God look mean? Or? Well, I don't think it made him look mean. I think it made him look righteous. It made him, made him look righteous because he said, this is the way it's supposed to be. He's God. And, and folks, it does matter. When God says do it a certain way, he means do it a certain way. That's like with baptism. There's a mode of baptism. We believe that the, the proper way is, is, is by immersion, right? That's what we believe. There's a mode of salvation. And it's not by my works. You don't go to heaven because you joined First Baptist Geneva. Anybody disappointed? Anybody need to see me afterwards because you thought that was getting you there? Because that ain't going to get you there. Joining First Baptist Geneva ain't going to do it. Getting baptized ain't going to do it. Going out and mudding out all the houses in Geneva ain't going to do it. Okay, it is one way and that is what Christ did on the cross and, and repenting of our sin, confessing our sin to God and turning to him by faith. That is it. There is no there is no other way to heaven. You, you cannot work your way to heaven. It's what he has done and it is accepting the gift that he offers when he stirs your heart and he convicts you of your sin. You best respond. So it is it is important the way we do things. Well, Satan's been trying to kill man ever since because man is God's creation. He's God's creation. He wants to wipe out man. And, and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see some more of that. Um, B. So let's see. A. 
A was uh, national and international hostility. So the, the, the hostility is rising. Satan and, and, and the Gentiles, he has stirred up the whole world. They're against the Jews, the hostility, the hate, the anger, the killing, all that's increasing. And then we see, we see the, the resurrection going back to verse, verse 18. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. God now is bringing his wrath against, against Satan and against all of this world system and all that. And the time of the dead that they should be judged. So we understand now, we know timeline-wise, we're kind of in the middle of the tribulation here, but we're looking ahead. We're looking into the future of what is to come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward, this is you, the capital U, he's talking of, of the Lord, you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. We talked about that destroying the earth last week. Um, the, the, the whole, it, it just, it seems demonic. You know, all the, the EPA, you know, the Environmental Protection Agency, all designed to protect the earth, and the stuff they're doing now is crazy. It's, it's anything but. We're modifying everything. We modify our food. We want to spray stuff out in the atmosphere to create a false screen that that uh, then would be it be it mimics a great volcano explosion that that you know puts the sun out for a period of time. That you know, like I said last week, what could go wrong with that? You know, we we we're gonna mankind's gonna we're trying to kill ourselves off. But there are those who want to destroy. But there's the resurrection. So we see here the tribulation martyrs in this. And we're going to jump ahead to chapter 20, verse 4. And we see those tribulation martyrs. And it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their, wishes, uh, for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So we know what's going to happen to these, these martyrs, those who died for their faith during this tribulation time. They came to faith and they died for their faith. They, they stood for those things. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna rule with the Lord. They're going to be rewarded for their faith. They're going to be rewarded for their, their lives and their, their faith and their testimony, and they're going to be rewarded. They're going to serve with Christ. As well, uh, we see the, the martyrs there, those that were killed for their faith are raised. We also see the wicked here. The wicked dead are raised. And that jumped back up in chapter 20, verse 2. It says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay? So this is a time. This is a time of, of judgment. So, what, so that's the, the resurrection. And then the next thing here is judgment. And we see that in verse 13. It said, The sea gave up the dead who were in them, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, we're still looking into the future. We see the resurrection of the dead, the sinful dead, and then we see the judgment of those sinful dead, and we see that death and hell and those that are judged, they are, they are cast into the lake of fire. And... Uh, 
So anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the saints will will have uh, their works judged and the wicked will be judged and condemned for their sins. And so this will be a time at the, at the very end there. It's going to be a time of reward for the saints and wrath for the sinners. Um, then we get to verse 19. Okay, so the, I think the last verse here, we just read verse 18, verse 19 in chapter 11. It says, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. The first three and a half years of the tribulation will climax the program of God. This is going to be the absolute climax of all this, and there will be no delay any longer. The Lord has said that. We went back, we read that in chapter 10, verse 6, that there will be no more delay. The, the, the end of time is here. There will be no more delay. And so the chapter begins with the temple on earth, and then the chapter closes here in 19 with the temple in heaven. And we, 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 uh, we have, again, the evidences of the coming storm. Remember, we've talked about storms. And when storms are coming, what are some of the signs of a storm coming? What, what, I mean, we see the signs. What are some of the storm things we see today when a storm's coming? Wind? Dark clouds? Thunder? Lightning? Yeah, it's amazing because back in the summer, you know, every day, it seemed like around... 3, 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, somewhere in there. We'd be back in the office and be like, wow, it's not going to rain today. Boom! Yeah, there it is. Okay, here it comes. And five minutes later, it's pouring down rain. And in, and in 10 minutes, it can go from the sun shining until you got a storm. But typically, the wind starts blowing. You start to hear some thunder. You might see some lightning. you got those warnings. We have the same warnings here. We have these evidences, lightning, thunder, voices. Now, it's not just noises. If you study that out, when it was talking about here, there are, there are voices and there, there are sayings or there's language implied with that word. So there is, it's almost like there's conversation that is going on and they're, and they're hearing this. And so we saw this, we saw this warning of, of the storm coming. We saw it back in chapter 4, verse 5, around the throne. It was coming from the throne. We saw it in chapter 8, verse 5. It was coming from the incense altar. And now it's coming from the Holy of Holies in the temple in heaven, these these thunderings and lightnings and these voices and these languages, these things are coming from that. So the, the judgment is coming. The wrath is coming. Now, we see the ark there, um, and the ark of his covenant is there. And some believe that the ark here is the literal ark uh, from the Old Testament temple, which it vanished uh, after the captivity. And I shared with you, I don't have any clue if we actually have the ark still or not. But... I have read, and it has been said by those who are preparing for the temple, that they have the ark. They know where it is. And, but but you, can, you can understand why they would probably not want to reveal that until the time. But they say they have it. Now, so there's some that speculate that ark, the very ark that, that was there in the temple, in the Old Testament temple, is the same one that's in heaven. Others would argue that it doesn't, it doesn't really seem likely since none of the other furnishings that are in heaven have any earthly origin. And the ark is the symbol of God's presence and God's covenant. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the actual ark that we had that was, a, that was the symbol of God's presence would need to be there in heaven because God is present there. But there is the ark of his covenant that we see there. So what that is, it could be. It may be something else. 
Uh, on earth, Israel is going through intense suffering and God is, is reassuring them of his government and his care at this time. And so there, there were the thunderings and signs when the, when the law was given at Sinai. Okay, when Moses went up on the mountain, there were thunderings and lightnings, and now there's thunderings and there's lightnings as God is about to judge the world for breaking his laws. Amen? And that's where we're at. And, and the, the scripture says, your wrath has come. That's the statement there in verse 18. And this judgment will be fulfilled in chapters 15 and 16. Again, we're moving toward the things that John is giving us and showing us right now. And that's when, John, when God pours out his, the, the, the vials of his wrath in chapters 15 and 16. So the first three and a half years are a period of tribulation, but the last three and a half years are known as the wrath of God. And, and it's, we, know it, we, we know it's the great tribulation, but it's the wrath of God. And you can look at uh, Revelation 14.10. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. 14.10. Revelation 14.19. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Revelation 15, 7, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Revelation 16, 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the people saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So we see this as... We're about to get into the part where God's making it right. His judgment is coming upon the earth. He's going to set it all right. This, this is a... It's a horrible time. But it's a just and righteous time. Amen? Yeah. I, do y'all do do buy that or do you agree with that? Okay, I wasn't sure. All right, but I wasn't sure. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to fill you out sometimes with your response to whether you see that. Because some would see that and go, well, how could God be so unrighteous in that? God has been so righteous and so loving and so caring and so patient. And we've read through this all the way to this point again and again and again and again and again. The things that God has done to bring them to repentance. He is doing all that he can. There's, what else could he do? He has done everything. He sent Jesus to die for them. God died for our sin. What else does he have to do? And yet he still works. Folks, he works today. As I, as I preach today and I share the gospel and probably 15 people sat over here. The, the, and I know the husband, the husband, I know he's lost. Our conversation on Monday, it was very clear. Yeah, she's religious. I don't get into the religion stuff. Okay, so it's pretty clear. And yet, in our conversation Monday, pointing to the Lord. Today, pointing to the Lord. The Lord is speaking. And, and, and when the church is raptured away, the world's going to see that. They're, gonna, they're not going to necessarily see us fly off, but they're going to see that we ain't here. And they're going to, they're going to, there's another, you want a sign? Man, the Jews always wanted a sign. Well, here's your sign. We've talked about the rapture for all this time. And when the rapture comes, there'll be no excuse. But you know what'll happen, right? It's like, it's like Animal Farm, if you've read the book. They just keep rewriting things, and, and then, and then they, they erase something or they add to it. Oh, you should know, you know, no pig should ever kill another pig, or except, you know, they add to it. And then they go, oh, boy, I didn't remember that being there, but I guess it's always been there. And that's what's happening today. So 
you're getting, you're getting, they're getting you ready for UFOs. They're getting you ready for uh, germ warfare. You know, if they, them Christians were just crazy. They had a mental disease. They had a brain problem. So when this, when this virus hit, it, they, just, they just instantaneously combusted. Now, you think that sounds crazy, but that's the kind of stuff they'll use to explain away. Or aliens abducted them. Well, that's why. Why do you think there's a lot of talk about aliens right now? The, because Satan doesn't want everybody looking and seeing the demons that are going to be moving around and going, whoa, that ain't a, that ain't a, that's a demon. No, it's deception. It's deception. And it's all part of, of, of what's coming. God's wrath will be righteous. It'll be righteous. And, and uh, horrible time, but a righteous time. All right, chapter 12. Let's get into tra- We're not going to get far in chapter 12 because i got something I want to share with you. It's pretty cool. So, uh, but, but we'll get started here, chapter 12. So the theme of this chapter is conflict. And uh, we've got the forces of Satan opposing the people of God. And, and these visions outline in an amazing way the major themes of the Bible. So we're going we're to see this. As, uh, uh, like I said, we're going to look into a little history. So first thing here, the first part, number one, if you're going to, create an outline here. Number one is the wonders of heaven. And it's verses one through six. So let's read those verses and I want to share something with you. Now, now a great sign appeared in heaven. Now, what is that? Stop right there. He said a great sign appeared in heaven. Do you think John meant a sign appeared in heaven? Or do you think John meant some mystery thing? He said a sign appeared in heaven. So we're going to see what that sign is. There's a, now a great sign appeared in heaven. Now, there was a sign in heaven when Jesus was born, right? There was a sign in heaven. So we know there could be signs and, and I'm going to get ahead of it. So a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years. Now, we just read in six verses and we covered a big old spectrum of time. It, it's amazing what God, how he's revealing this to John and what John is seeing in writing. Those first, really the first verse there, we're, we're going to look at who this, this woman is. Um, uh, I got something I want to show you. Uh, all right, the woman, this woman here that we see that's going to give birth. Some want us to believe that this is Mary, okay, the mother of our Lord. But if you read verse 6, then it, it, it's, it's not Mary. It's impossible for it to be Mary. If you read verses uh, 13 through 17, when we go down and read that and look at that, it, it, it's impossible that this is Mary. This is not speaking of Mary uh, so, so, so as we begin to look at who might this be, Genesis 37, 9 says this, then he, 
dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So what do we see there? We see the sun, we see the moon, we see the eleven stars. We, 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 we see Israel right there. Okay, so the, 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 what we read here, there's an indication here, and I'm pointing to this being Israel. The woman here is Israel. And, uh, and, and so we're reminded as we read that verse of those 12 tribes. Now, verse 5 informs us that the woman gives birth to Christ, and this symbolism, again, points to Israel. Yes, Mary is the mother of the Lord. She birthed the Lord, but the Lord, the, the, the Lord Jesus was birthed out of the nation of Israel. And that's the, the symbology that we're, we're going to look at here. Um, I, I, I'm going I'm to stop right there. I want to show you something. How many of you have ever seen? So as I was studying this and preparing for this, I kept had something that was bothering me. I was like, man, I've seen something about this that that kind of captures this imagery of a sign in heaven. How many of you have ever seen the video, The Star of Bethlehem? How many of you have ever watched that? You've watched it? It's really good. It's really, it's really good. I'd encourage you to go home look it up on YouTube. It's about an hour and five minutes long. It's an easy watch. Uh, they could speed it up a little bit. It's a little slow in parts, but they're dragging out because they want to build up the... The, but it's, it's amazing. So I got about four minutes of video. And I want you to see because he is talking about the sign in heaven. This guy, I'll give you a little background. He started out, was teaching class in his church. And they wanted him to teach, I think, on Christmas. And then he started studying. And he's like, well, I'll look at things that are maybe extra biblical, things that are outside. They're in the scriptures, but we see them outside. And so he thought, oh, the star, the star. I want to do a little study on the star and figure out things about the star. Because, you know, there was a time where even the greatest scientific minds couldn't tell us where the stars were back in history. They could, they, we still speculate, what was the star of Bethlehem? Well, I've heard comet. I've heard, you know, it was a, it was, it was a big star. It was a planet. God just made something there that wasn't there before, and it was there for So we hear all these different things. This guy went back, he took the scriptures, and looking at the scriptures, he says there are nine points in scripture that identify what this star is. And he said, so if there's nine things in scripture that describe that star, then you can't have eight points of reference on that and it'd be the right thing. You have to have all nine. So he begins to go through that. Now, I'm not going to play all of that for you, but I do want you to see the part that points out this right here. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And to do that, I'm going to take you back to the Bible. To the last book of the Bible. We've just been in the first book of the Bible. Now we're in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And I want to talk a little bit about Revelation first and about its author. Because I want to make sure you're all on the same page. Um, it was written by a man named John. Uh, he wrote five books of the New Testament, including the Gospel. He wrote Revelation when he was an old man. He, 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 and, and under dire circumstances, the guy was uh, on the island of Patmos, basically locked up for his Christian beliefs. And he was there, most commentators think, for six to nine months, and basically solitary on a rocky island. And he was old at that point, maybe probably in his 80s, maybe almost, could it even be 90s? 
And that's when he wrote the book of Revelation. Now, now all of you who've read it, you know it speaks in a swirling prophetic imagery, you know, and it's a, it's, a lot of it seems metaphorical. Sometimes it's not chronological. It's a difficult book. It's a difficult book to interpret. But uh, I can't explain most of it. I can, though, explain a little. I'm going to go to Revelation 12 and show you a corner that I think I understand. Let's take a look and see what John describes. He says, A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. What is the sign? Well, I want you to watch this. It's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. If you understand this, please email me, okay? His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Hey, here's that scepter again. Who's the child? That's Jesus in his role as king of kings. We saw the, the prediction in Genesis, and here in Revelation, he appears again, and he's got that scepter because he's now the king of kings. So if the child is Jesus, who's the woman? Yeah, that's pretty easy. Okay. And in, in, in metaphorical terms, who's the dragon that waited at the, foot, at the foot of the woman to devour the child? That's Herod. The dragon is Herod. John elsewhere tells us in Revelation that the, the dragon is Satan, but we know in human terms it was Herod. So we now understand what he's describing is the birth of Jesus, but he sees it in the heavens. I'm going to show you something now that definitely got all little hairs up on the back of my neck and on the back of my arm. And... Uh, because what follows Jupiter into the sky as we animate the sky is Virgo, the virgin. And she's clothed in the sun. And she has the moon at her feet. It's just a crescent moon, a very small crescent, barely a visible moon. There's a reason for that. This is Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. The sheer weight of symbolism in the sky on this day blew me away. In September of 3 BC, when Jupiter is coming in a close conjunction with Regulus, the king planet and the king star, that happening in Leo, the lion, representing the nation of Judah, the tribe of Judah, that rises in the sky and behind it rises Virgo, the virgin, and she's clothed in the sun, and she has the moon at her feet. It's exactly what John described in Revelation 12. It's what he saw in his vision. It's obvious. That got me. When I went on the time forward and saw that rise and realized, oh my goodness, that's what John saw. There it is. That really let all the hairs come up. Y'all want to go watch the video now, don't you? Yeah, you need, you need to. Y'all to go watch that. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, because that was just a portion of that. Uh, he lays the fact, and what they've done there, the science today, I mean, if you looked at a calendar to look at, do you ever look to see what, um, what, what time the sun's going to rise? You know, you're, gonna, you're planning your vacation in two months, and you want to know what time the sun's going to rise, you know, wherever you're going. You want to know what time the sun sets. Uh, you want to know when there's a, when there's, when's the full moon. You want to know when the, the tide is high, when's the low tide, those kind of things. Do you not find that incredible that we, we can figure that out? Because that's part of God's creation. And those things that he has set in place, we can figure it out with the mathematical equations. And, and, and so what they've done is they've taken the stars. 
you have a track of the stars, and all they've done is they've got it all mathematically figured out, and they just turn it around backwards. And they work it all the way back. And so what they were showing you there is they can, they can take that program and say, we're looking from, they could take Geneva, we're looking toward MIMS on December 13th, 1943 at 6 a.m., and it'll show you the sky, what was there. Now, it kind of blows me away when I go back and I read this verse. Because what the Lord showed John right there was exactly... This is prophecy, right? This is prophecy. Revelation is prophecy. But it's interesting. It's prophecy. It's written of something that was already, had already happened. John didn't know that. John, I, I, you ever, some of you read commentaries. You ever read commentaries and they say, well, the reason John said this right here is, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The reason John said that right there is because God told John to say that right there. That's why John said that right there. So I, usually I close the book. I'm done when, they're, when it's all about John. Because John, John didn't know what to write. God's in his ear going, hey, now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And so it, it, it's, the, it's, it's, it's in the stars. And that would have been determined before Christ ever acted in creation. I, see, because I don't believe that the Lord just said, all right, well, Jesus is coming. We need to let him know somehow. Uh, well, all right, I'll put a light in the sky. No. Before he ever acted in creation, it was all mapped out. And it was going to be there right on time. Right on time, folks. How about if we just grasp that concept in our lives of right on time? We, we get so caught up in, in fixing it and manipulating things. That doesn't mean we shouldn't work. I mean, we, I had somebody say one time, said you should work like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God because everything depends on God. But we can work. It's like I had a friend that he wanted a girlfriend, but he wouldn't, he would never ask a girl out. <laughs> like, man, they are not, she's not coming knocking on the door. And going, hey, here I am, Barry. Here I am. Um, there's things that we, we have some responsibility. But boy, what if we just learn to embrace this, that man, God has it all figured out. He, he, it's, he's not caught off guard. Things, things don't go the way we, we think they should go. Hey, man, things didn't go work out right today. Um, man, Lord, where were you? No, oh, he's right here. And he has a plan. We just gotta we just gotta trust him. Okay. Interesting. Go watch go watch that video. I, I've got the DVD. I'll bring it Sunday if anybody wants the DVD. But you can you can pull it up on YouTube. I searched it this afternoon. And uh, like I said, it's about an hour and five minutes or yeah, I think it's an hour and five minutes. So watch that. That'll be good. All right, so going back to Israel. So I don't know what they answered on there. You heard them say, Well, if this is Jesus, then who is the woman? I don't know what they answered. I've listened three times. I never could hear what they said. I don't know if their answer was Mary. If their answer was Mary, they were, they were right and they're wrong. The woman, is, the woman here is not Mary. Mary's a part of Israel, but Mary's not. It's not Mary in here. It's speaking of Israel. 
In the Old Testament, Israel is pictured as a woman and mother. In Isaiah 54, verse 5, it says, For your maker is your husband. The maker there is capital M. It's speaking of the Lord. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Uh, so Israel, speaking to Israel there, Israel is, is, is uh, pictured excuse me, as a woman and, and again as a mother. In Jeremiah chapter uh, 3, Jeremiah complains that Israel has played the harlot and been disloyal to God. So again, portrayed as a woman. Hosea 2.19, I will betroth you to me forever. God speaking there to, to Israel. Uh, I will betroth you to me for, uh, in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Hosea 2.20. Um, so the woman now is in travail and the child that is born is Christ. This is Christ here. This is Messiah. Um, verse 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So you, you can go to Psalm 2.9 and we see a, a reference of this. Uh, you shall break them with a rod of iron. The, the terminology in scripture, the words that are used are not accidental. So when it speaks of he will, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron here in Revelation 12.5, there's a reason those words are used. You go back to Psalm 2.9, God has written the whole book. And it's not like he goes, oh man, you know, that was, that was some pretty cool words I used back there. I'll use those again. No, it's all tied together. The Lord has put all this together and he's communicating it to us. You shall break them with a rod of iron. Um, Revelation 19.14 Speaking of the Lord leading and the Lord, the Lord uh, uh, ruling, says, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So the Lord is going to rule. This was, this was there. The child to be born is to rule. He, he, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And uh, so that day is coming. Now, it's interesting as we look here in verse 5 and verse 6. I want you to notice something. Again, I told you this covers a big span, right? So verse 5, in verse 5, there's a gap there between the first sentence and the second sentence of at least 33 years. Because look, it says, She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. The next sentence says, And her child was caught up to God and his throne. So what is that? It's the ascension. Yeah, it's the ascension. So you have, you have his birth and you have his ascension. Now, I was reading one writer and he says, you know, people find that interesting or they find and they have, a, they, they, they have a problem with that. And they go, well, why is it that John is, why is he focused on that? Because John's not worried about the life, the, the worldly, earthly life that, that Christ lived at this point. He is looking at the exalted Christ, Messiah, the ruler. That's who he's looking at at this point. And uh, so he, he sees his birth on earth. He sees his ascension. And then between uh, verse 5 and verse 6, we have the entire church age. So you have, uh, the ch and her child was caught up uh, to God in his throne. So Christ ascends into, into heaven. And then in verse 6, then the woman fled into the wilderness. This, this, the, the woman here, again, Israel, fled into the, the wilderness when she was, uh, when, uh, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So we know that Israel is going to flee when, when in, in the midpoint of this tribulation and it's all coming down, these Jewish believers are going to flee. Now, where are they going to flee to? I, I don't think anybody can say with, with uh, certainty, but there's some great speculation 
Um, any ideas out there? Petra? Yeah. There's a lot of speculation about Petra. Um, I, Petra is on my bucket list. I've been to Israel three times. I'm going a fourth time, and I still haven't been able to get to Petra. So one of these days, I'm going to get down there. I think I want to go because it was in the Indiana Jones movie, you know, and it was the <laughs> entry there. But it's one of those things I've always wanted to see. But there are there's a city carved into those in, into the rosy colored stones there, and so there there is speculation uh, to that 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 that's where they'll flee to. Um, all right, we'll come back to that in a minute. So then let's go to the dragon. Verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Uh, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as, as, as it was born. Now, this is Satan. Don't, don't, you know, I know what they say. I know what he was saying there. Uh, Herod is a tool, and we'll talk about that. Herod was a tool of Satan. Herod is not the dragon here. The dragon here is Satan. That's who this is speaking of. And we see it in verse 9. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Um, so this is Satan, and the heads, horns, and crowns uh, refer us, if you really, we look again, we look forward to, to chapter 13, we look forward to, to chapter 17, and we can actually look back to Daniel chapter 7. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 says, Thus he said, The fourth beast sh shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. 24, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. So Daniel gives us a lot of insight into, into who this is. Then Revelation 13, 1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. As you're reading this, as he, rose, as he rose up out of the beast, rose up out of the sea. We try to make this like a it's Godzilla movie. I mean, there are people, I think, who think that's what that this is as you read it. That Mothra is out there and Godzilla is coming up out of the water, right? Is that, was it Mothra? Dave would know. We watched the same stuff growing up. So Mothra and Godzilla. So that's the picture people have. But, the, but, but the, the, so many times the symbolism is not of, of, it's not of the sea. So, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. That sea is probably speaking of, of mankind, of people, okay? The, the mass, the, the sea of humanity, okay? So having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns ten crowns and on his heads a blasphemous name. Revelation 17, 3. So he carried, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. We see this again and again and again of the beast, Satan. So keep in mind that the beast is present from the outset as the leader of this, uh, the, United, the United States of Europe, we'll call it that, this, this revived Roman Empire. It goes back to before we ever started Revelation and talking about the, the, the reviving of the Roman Empire there. And so he's there. He's present the whole time. But he's not going to be openly revealed as Satan. 
Satan, Superman, until the middle of the tribulation period. So that's about where we're at now. And so then verse 4 relates to Isaiah chapter 14 when Satan revolted against God and drew some of the angels down with him. So you can look at Jude 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode... He has reserved in everlasting, in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Uh, but when we read this, we get this picture of, of, of Satan being cast down and his tail dragging them, them with him. The, the, those, so Isaiah 14, verses 9 through 15, I'll read this part. I was going to focus on one verse, but I'm going to read all of it because I find this, I find this passage very interesting. Verse 9, Isaiah 14, verse 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you. It's being spoke to Satan. I don't care if you're the devil himself, that ought to send chills down your spine. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to shoal, and the sound of your uh, stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit." Sounds like a good place to stop right there, doesn't it? We know his ending. Folks, I'm convinced he knows his ending. And when that time comes, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a little more into Satan next week. We'll pick up right there. But, but when he is cast down, and there's the, we'll explain what that means, he knows that his time is short. And it's gonna, he's going to unleash everything he has. Uh, you know, the whole thing about you, you, you're not going down without a fight. That's what that is. But Isaiah 14, that's chilling. It's chilling, chilling. All right, questions, comments?